Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Mara. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. by a Nile. It was a song that was part of the firing of the grid several years ago, and uh, it was during a time when my daughter was in Iraq, 
and my youngest grandson was living at my house, and we literally got up in the morning at like 3 o'clock, and I can't believe the 13-year-old boy did that, but we got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and we went and we sat with a group of other people from around the world because the time was so, so synchronized, excuse me, with our time zone, so that we would all be praying to fire the grid of peace and love, firing the grid and remembering who we are, and remembering that all that we need is within us. And we sat there, this little boy and I holding hands, and we prayed for the peace of the world and of the universe. And I now have the opportunity in my daily life to pray with my older grandson for exactly the same thing on a daily basis. And I am truly blessed. I have been away from the radio show for a while, and I now know why. Because my eyes are clouding up with tears. And frankly, I'm hopeful that I will make it through today. And I know I will with the help of God, whom I call love. I use the word love. For those of you who haven't heard my show before, but it's looking like a lot of people have. But for those of you who haven't heard my show before, let me tell you, I use the word love for God. I got that from Neil Donald Walsh's uh, books. And basically, uh, if we all remember that when God was asked his name, he said, tell them you are sent by the great I am. And let us all pause for just a moment, and I'm going to ask you, what is God's name? And the knowledge and the realization that the answer is, I am, carries with his ominous responsibilities. And as human beings, we want to push those responsibilities off of ourselves onto others. And so we spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on how we've been harmed, how somebody done me wrong song. Uh, Just my life is crap. For one of no better word. And frankly, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my last year. Because... If I can come through this, remembering that love is with me always, then I'd like to suggest that each one of you can too. I'm not suggesting it, though I'm going to tell you that. So this show is about Mara's year. But before we get there, we need to do some things to center ourselves together, to get our minds in the right places place, to get ourselves focused on the word of love. And I would remind all of you that in the beginning was the word and the word was love. And the word was with love. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was love. In the beginning was love. Love was with God. Or love was with love, and love is love. If somebody would ask me what I want to do more than anything else in the world, because I have a job that really doesn't make sense with what I do here on the radio, where I uh, I spend my day battling for my clients' concepts of right and their perceptions, and of course I support them because I'm not going to battle for something I don't believe in. But the reality is I'm just like all of you. I have a job, 
And yet every day when I start my job, I invite God to join me, love to join me. And I ask that my words be softened. And because my words are usually softer, I'm many times able to encourage and have my clients see a softer vision of the world, a softer idea about how things could be done, just a softer place. I'm able to bring love, God, into my workplace. And so when we move forward, we move forward on the things that they feel righteous about. And I know then that they have fully evaluated their options because we've brought love into the workplace. Now, a lot of people are trying to bring love into the workplace by bringing the word God into the workplace. And I'm not going to say to you that I never say God because I probably do. And if there was a counter, I probably said it more than a lot of people in the workplace. But I'm going to say to you that when I say it, I say it in terms of myself. Because as we go on this journey that I've had over the last year, you're going to see that it was a journey and realization, firm realization, not just words, that the only person I have control over is me. And so rather than my trying to make people believe as I do, I try to show them the peace I get from believing as I do. And with that said, I think we should start our day, our time here, by spending a few minutes joining together in celebration of God, of love. And I'm going to invite you to get to a place that's comfortable if you can. And in that place that's comfortable, I would like you to start breathing as though you are breathing through the soles of your feet. And by breathing through the soles of your feet, I want you to imagine that you have a nose in your feet. And the reason I say that is that will help you elongate your breath. And long breaths are not and then holding your breath for five minutes or three minutes or one minute or even 30 seconds. Long breaths are sipping in air as you pull the energy up through your body. And I think that I'd like to pay a nice long piece. But it's not so long in the whole scheme of life. It always interests me that people have this idea that there's a lot of time needed in order to connect with love, with God. And so as a consequence, they justify not taking that time because they're too busy. So what we want to do is we're going to start together with one piece, and we're going to move into a different piece. And I'm going to just, if I can on this, this is a new switchboard, one I'm not used to, but if I can, we're going to just for the first few minutes, as we're getting ourselves ready, we're just going to have a short, just three minutes. So all I'm asking for from you is three minutes, and I'm going to lower the sound of this so I can talk over it. And hopefully that will be successful I believe in the past it was. So let's start with Serenity Road. And like I said, sit down, get in a comfortable spot, and feel the energy of your breaths. 
And so what I would like you to do, please, is start with the breath. And your first breath, let's pull it up together. So let's pull the breath up, and it's going to pull it up across the front of your calves, up your thighs, and it's going to cross over your hips and come to your base chakra, the base of your spine. And you're going to begin pulling clean, clear breath up your spine. And so, as you come, you're going to cleanse your chakras. And your base chakra is the zone of fear. And so I would like you to release the fears that you have into the world from which they came. And accept that for all that you have lived, you are perfect just as you are. There's no need to go back and spend a lot of time thinking about the past. Because you are perfect right now for all that you have lived. There is nothing to fear. In this next two minutes, there is nothing to fear. Then let's pull that fearless breath up and you're going to come in to the solar plexus. Actually, I may have got us to the wrong chakra right now, but we're going to pull it up into the zone of creativity. The sacral chakra. And that's where we create our children. It's where we create our dreams. And you're going to pull a creative breath up. And now you're going to go into the solar plexus. And feel the solar plexus. It's the zone of healing. So you've brought fear-free and you're sipping your breath. You're not holding it. It means you're pulling in little breaths. And now you've been through the sacral chakra, the zone of creativity, and in the solar plexus, it's the zone of healing. And it's a beautiful, beautiful yellow color. And feel that yellow energy going through your body, healing you as you pull your fearless, creative, healing breath up to your heart. And I believe our hearts are the most broken chakras we have. And feel your heart open up. And as you do, reach out to your strong, dominant hand. And take the hand of God beside you. Because you are never alone. You are always all one with God. And with God holding your hand, pull your fearless, creative, healing, loving energy up to your throat chakra, the zone of where words that are said that last forever. And release those words into the universe. And then continue to breathe. We've now just spent the three minutes, and now you're going to breathe, and we're going to listen again to um, Susperia Electrica, Sea of Tranquility. As we continue to breathe, and I want you to continue to take in sips as you move up through the voice chakra to the center of your forehead. And I'd like you to pause there for a moment, please, with this fearless, creative healing, and you're going to be forgiving in your voice chakra. 
That's where all the words that you've said and others have said to you need to be let go. It's amazing how something said in two seconds can take five years, ten years, a million years to go away. We hear stories about grudges. We hear stories about feuds that last forever, and they're all from words. People pick up their weapons from words. So the voice chakra is the zone of forgiveness. And pull that energy up. And now rest in the area between your eyes, the third eye, the zone of manifestation. And as you are sitting in the zone of manifestation, I would like you to reach out to your second hand and take the hand of the listener beside you. So that together we form a circle of prayer, man, God, man, God, man, God. And that that circle circles the planet. And as you're sitting here in the vision, visionary zone of your manifesting chakra, the third eye, I want you to imagine a world of love. I want you to believe in the wonder of you and that you are a crucial part of a world of love. And I want you to let this music wash over you as you take a final sip of air and open up your crown chakra at the top of your head and allow your fearless, creative, healing, loving, forgiving, manifesting breath to merge with the breath of God. And as you sit here holding the hands of God on either side of you, I want you to say to yourself, I am enough. I am enough just as I am. And now let us listen to this music as you blow out your breath saying, I am enough. And you begin breathing in again for yourself. And I'm going to pull the music and I want you to breathe in with the mantra, I am never alone. I am always with God. And as you go through your chakras, pull in the powerful energy that is within you, as Anayel told us in Be Still I Soul. The peace that is within you if you invite it to exist. And go through that process. You get to your crown chakra. Have your breath merge with the breath of God. And as you breathe out, breathe out, I am enough. And listen to the sound of the sea.
end, I am never alone. I am always with God. Now, I am sure that felt like an eternity. It was one minute. I want you to feel the fact that it was one minute because I want you to know how close God is to you. Just one minute. Breathing in, I am never alone. I am always with love with God. And now I would like to have you envision an energy beginning to flow between those of us who are holding hands with each other. And what we are sending to each other is we are feeling the energy of our neighbor's God. And we are sending that through our dominant hand to our God. So that together as a circle as an intertwined prayer group we are praying that people come to see and know love and the joy of being together in love the Dalai Lama says that it is possible for us to love one another but we believe in intrigue We believe in chaos as a species. And we struggle, struggle to believe in the wonder of each person. We forget to forgive. the sound of the ocean behind me hitting the shore and we forget that life isn't about the pounding waves on the shore but about the peace and the swell of the wave about the peace in the middle of the ocean. Even in a dangerous wave, there is a place of calmness where surfers surf. We are enough, my friends. Together, let us send peace to the world as our unit here begins to swell up with the energy of love and a giant fireball is escaping from us not one of danger but one of peace as we remember to see more in others than they are showing us
Breathing in, I am never alone. I am always with God. And breathing out, I am enough. Now you can make your choice here whether you want to, uh, what word do I want to use? I hate to say, oh, that's not exactly a good thing. But you can decide if you uh, want I'm going to write welcome in my chat room. I'm not good at multitasking, so let me finish that so that I can go back. You can decide if you want to stay here holding hands with God, which I personally find to be a very pleasant experience. I feel that my hands warm up, and the heat of my hands helps me know that I am doing the right thing to love other people. You're welcome to call me in or call in to talk to me, I guess it is, or call me into your life is probably what is was more accurate. Please call me at five excuse me, six four six five nine five three five eight four if you want to contribute today. And let's talk about the last year. And as we do so, let's all breathe in together. I am never alone. I am always with God. And breathe out, I am enough. Folks, there's no way to say what's going on in your life and what has gone on. But no matter what has gone on, you need to remember if you can. And if you can't, please call in and we'll talk about it. 646-595-3584 that you are loved by God. You are enough. And resist the temptation to become involved and enmeshed in the chaos of life. So what's happening? So what's happened? I don't know. Happening is still true, too. A year ago, on May 26th, I was driving with my grandson uh, on the highway and uh, fortunately, he's a big boy because uh, I don't know that a baby would have survived this. And uh, I had been out in the left lane and I was just getting ready to pass a truck. And so I could see there was nothing in front of him. And uh, I asked my grandson, would he like something to eat? And so we decided we were going to get off, and I began slowing down, but not so slow because the exit was right ahead of me. And I look up, and the truck is stopping, stopped. No idea what was going on, totally petrified. And the only thing I thought about, and I'm not trying to make myself noble because I am ignoble by the fact that I didn't notice that this guy was stopping. So this is not my highest moment. But I knew I needed to save my grandson's life. I have lived a lustrous life, a life of blessings beyond all belief. And so I began pulling my car to the right side of the road. And as I was pulling the car over, um, I am pulling it and pulling it, and I just caught 
the edge of the truck. I guess my car went under it. I don't really know the details because it didn't completely go under it, just one side, just the side I was sitting in. And you know what? I am ready. It would have been okay. But the next thing I know, there are people there, and I'm getting treated, and I'm being flown in an airplane. And I really, it's miraculous, I hardly have had any injuries. The worst one was to my elbow. And it still hurts a bit. My face was pretty banged up. I do have a scar now. They say the scars add character. I'm not sure that's true for women. But, hey, you got to live with what you got. So I have a scar. And, and, yes, I did put that stuff on it. But it seems like I've got a couple lumps on either side of the scar. So I'm really, you know, the stuff doesn't, it may take away the scar, but it's not going to take away the two lumps. So it looks like I have a perpetual uh, so that you can envision this. It's like I have a perpetual little bit of a scowl. But since I smile, so it's a scowl on the forehead and a smile on the lips. You know, it's okay. And that was very, very frightening. It was frightening for a whole variety of reasons. Um, I learned that my grandson basically had escaped unscathed, except for the emotional damage of it. Um, I was worried about who was going to tell my parents so that they would be okay, and it was just an awful lot of stuff was rushing through my head. But fortunately, all of that went on, and we took care of that, and we're moving along, and I'm noticing that my parents seem to be declining, but I'm not quite sure why. So I I don't know if you all have heard of Costco, but Costco worked wonderfully for me. When my parents were alive, because I would buy food, I would take a little, I would leave a lot for them, and I believed that they were eating. But I started noticing that the food that I bought would be there the next time. So then we would do, you know, kind of a what do you like to eat kind of story. Oh, we really like fruit. We really like fruit. So we buy fruit and then I go back and the fruit would be there, you know. So I knew that something was amiss. And I suspicioned that my mom might be getting dementia, but I wasn't sure. Now, my mom has... um, it was a diabetic, and so dementia with someone who's diabetic can be very dangerous because if they think they've taken their medicine, if they think they don't need to take their insulin, uh, a whole wide variety of options can develop. And my mom was very resistant to the idea of an insulin pump, which takes away those choices. So here we are, and moving along, it time between May and... Um, December, December 1st, was not pain-free. In October, I get a phone call that my oldest daughter, the one who had been in Iraq, had cancer and had to have a nodule removed from her throat. And that itself was a frightening prospect. It was the second time that we had had to go through that. And she seemed to be recovering, and it was agreed that we would all go and visit together with her where she's stationed in Hawaii at Thanksgiving time, and we did. And that was an interesting dynamic, but it really goes to the same dynamic every one of you lived on your Thanksgiving. And if you're young, you may not know what I mean, but if you're older, you do know about the bringing, the merging, re-emerging <laughs> family and and the challenges of that and especially when a mom is not in a position to see kids every day and so there's this natural 
challenge, everybody wanting to feel the same as they did when they were in in the house together, but remembering some of the same struggles and pains that were there when the family was intact. Uh, It's hard when there's one mom and more than one kid. So uh, we went through Thanksgiving, and I came back to California on November 28th. So um, got back, going to visit friends. It was so exciting because I was having a birthday, and my friends had invited me to come to San Francisco. Really, seriously, they did the trip for me. It was amazing. And so I went, and we were just, like, partying and having a celebration. And, folks, I'm not even going to talk to you about the chaos that was going on in my work. It was, it was stuff that um, no worker should expect. But fortunately, I had a good boss. And uh, and we're still working to resolve the issues. But So there's that going on. I've just gotten back from a little bit of a tense family situation. I, I walk into uh, what developed into being a very tense work situation. And uh, I'm... So I'm going off to uh, San Francisco with my friends and putting it all aside. And it was really good to go with these friends because they're heightened six sensors like I am. And so we can freely and openly talk about God and about feeling God in our presence and sensing God is giving us a message and sensing this and being that. And it's okay. No one is going to come and wrap us up in the those jackets uh, and put us in some sort of bin for people who are not fully here. Let me tell you, friends, I will say to you right now on the Internet publicly, I feel God in my life every day. I may not live to the image of that every day, but I do feel it. And if that makes me crazy, oh, what a sad society we've developed into. So I'm visiting with my friends, and I finally take one who's going back to Santa Fe, Mary Jane, take her over to the airport. Bob is staying for a while, so we're all kind of spreading out to go and do our thing. And um, I call my mom. How are you, Mom? How are you doing? Well, I'm having problems with my blood. Well, Mom, what kind of problems? Well, I've been having it for a few days. Well, What are we talking about here? And it took a while to get her to tell me that her blood was high. And I says, Mom, I think maybe you need to go over to the hospital and get that checked out or at least go to the doctor. Well, if this keeps happening, I will. And that was kind of the standard story that I was getting from my mom. If it kept happening, she was going to go to the doctor. And she did go to the doctor. I'm wondering how all of this escaped everybody. And uh, I tried to go every weekend, which is part of the reason I wasn't able to do the radio show. But I didn't go every weekend. I'm not a saint. And um, so I I talked to her. And then I said, I'm going to call you back to see where your blood sugar is. And I call back, and it's in the realm of acceptable but not something you want to have going around for a long time. Are you taking your insulin, Mom? Yes. Are you drinking water, Mom? Yes. 
we always drink a lot of water. And that, frankly, friends, if you have someone in your family who's starting to come from dementia, you will know that their answers tend to be what the book says the answer should be. So if you're asking, are you eating dinner, then the answer's going to be, oh, yes, we ate dinner, and it's going to be this marvelous dinner that you could have had out at a restaurant. And yet if you looked in their refrigerator, you might see that a frozen Jimmy Dean sausage was gone. It was just just a bunch of stories. And, and as an adult trying to sort through those stories while show, still showing respect, these are my parents, for goodness sake. These are my parents. And let me tell you, right up until the end with my dad, he would remind me, he is the dad. So the next day, so my mom seems to be getting better. I call the next day. She's going to go to the doctor, she said. Well, apparently she decided not to. And that night I got a phone call. And I have a terrible thing, my friends. I had the medical power of attorney for both of my parents. You know what? It's not a real pleasant topic to talk about dying, but let me tell you, do it. So that you really do know in your heart of hearts what quality of life means for these people. It doesn't matter what your parents say if they, you know, what they want, X, Y, Z. My parents had both decided they didn't want life support, but it becomes a real question. And I'm going to do a show with Micah Lee about this. We're going to start a pro, actually a radio program uh, sometime probably in the fall, just about protecting your parents' right to die. And so here we are, and I go to the hospital, and my mother I've never seen my mother like that. And I'm going to cut to the chase and say to you that that was on December 5th, and 20 days later, yes, on Christmas Day, my mom passed. And during that 20 days, there were opportunities for her to call everybody she loved and tell them. And uh, she was fully aware she was passing. And the stories she told me my friends, are miraculous, but there's two particularly I'd like to share with you. We're in the final days, and uh, ultimately the day before she went home, but I took her home. And we're at a hospital in an emergency room, and she says, Margaret, Margaret, I can hear those people talking out there. Well, what are they saying, Mom? What are they saying? And she says, they're talking about stuff that is over. Friends, how much time do you spend talking about stuff that is over? And if any one of you have figured out a way how to go back and make that stuff that is over change. I can understand looking at it to grow into the future, but when you're living your life in the stuff that's over, if you figured out a how to way to fix it, call me, 646-595-3584, because I want to know that. Because the God I know is in the now. And any time that I'm spending back there letting things go through my mind and consume me 
with stuff is over is time I'm not spending with God. And I'm alone. And let me tell you, when I'm alone, I become afraid. I become compulsed with fear. I feel helpless. I get pulled into the chaos of life. I start crying. I don't know what to do. And I lash out. And if you remember at the beginning, I was talking about us judging each other. I judge and I am judged. And I am judged by how I'm acting. And it isn't my highest self. I don't want my life to go down as that person, as that person who is compulsed with fear. And I have to remember that no one is perfectly perceived by others, including me. So I have to question my perceptions and I have to be gentle with my judgments of others and of myself. But what else did she say to me? She says, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And she said, Margaret, Margaret, they're wrong. What they've been telling us is wrong. Good and bad go. And of course, doesn't that make sense? Because God told us his name. I am. And he didn't say, I am that group and that group and that group, but I am not that other group. He didn't say, we are. He said, I am. What an ominous responsibility to show love to people. But you know, the glory of God, the glory of the present, the glory of love, is when you don't, you can. All you have to do is start over because the present is right now. It is this minute. It is right now. So my mother passed. And my work continued to percolate. And my dad took to the nook, if you can imagine, an 86-year-old guy sitting there reading the nook. It just gave him such peace that he just escaped into the nook. From the 24th on, all he did was read. Anyone out there wants to have Area 51 series complete, I have it. My dad was cute at one point in January. He says, I think I'm reading the same book over and over again. And I said, I don't think you are, Dad. I think you're reading a whole series of books. And so they're referring you back to the book that you were reading before. And I wanted to say, I really don't know why you want to read this book, but he did. So he had like all the Area 51 books. And he was reading them and reading them and reading them. And then one day I dared to tell my dad about what was going on at work because he was noticing something in me. And suddenly my dad was re-energized. He was re-energized, my friends, because we all need to be needed. And the next thing I know, he would call me every day to wake me up. He was always calling me every day, but now he made sure to call me at a time that he would be waking me up and telling me to have a good day and sending me good wishes. It wouldn't just be time to get up. And at the end of the day when he was calling me, because he wanted to live at home, he didn't want to go somewhere else. 
that's an important thing to find out from your folks. It may not be always so convenient for you, but we have to let people die the way they want to die, just like we let them live the way they wanted to live. And maybe the two become interchanged and enmeshed at some point. So he would call everybody every day. I'm not unique. But what I noticed was this difference in the phone calls he was making me. And when he was calling me at the end of the day, he wanted to know how the day was and this and that. And how were things going? How were things working out at work? And I would tell him. And then there came a time in February when things seemed to be starting to work out at work. And I told him that. Now, I missed something that I should have told you. On December 27th, two days after my mother passed, my dad went to the hospital and told them he was ready to die. And, of course, I'm the person that got called and is like, Dad, I don't think I can let you do this. How, you're not sick. How do you plan to do this? And he says, well, you know, we'll start with this. He actually had a plan for how it is that the hospital could help him die because he wanted to be with my mom. They had celebrated 64 years of marriage. Ups and downs, my friends. Life wasn't perfect, but 64 years, for better or worse, meant something to them. So here we are. Keep him past the 27th. Now we're into February, and he asks me how things are going, and I give him a positive answer. And I would go every week to fix his food and put it in boxes and have it ready, not boxes, but those portable things, and have it all ready for him so that he could have his meals for the whole week and I could keep track to be sure he was eating because I now know that they weren't eating before. And that part of the reason my mom was dying was because she had stopped eating long ago for any measurable amount. We could not pull her back. So my dad uh, that night... He gives me a hug. He proceeds to go, and I'm heading, I don't know, I guess I was still standing up. Maybe I was washing the dishes. I had left the room, the kitchen, and suddenly my dad was on the ground. And he broke his hip, and he passed on March 9th. On, I think I had a trial the next week, which I did, because what can you do but what you have to do? And then the next week, early in the week, I heard from my daughter that she had uh, aplastic anemia. And since then, I've learned that she um, had to have another nodule removed. And my youngest daughter has fallen off of a mountain two weeks ago and shattered her left arm. And through it all, and work is still bumpy, and through it all, my friends, I remember that I am not alone. That very same mantra that I ask you to start your meditation with, I am not alone. I am always with God. And all that has gone on has been designed to teach me to be a better person in this world because I can either hang around in the pain of it all 
or I can take what is good and move my life forward. And moving my life forward, if I were to respond to the Neil Donald Walsh card that says, do what you love or believe in your happy destiny, my happy destiny, my truly happy, happy destiny is here talking to each of you about how much you are loved just the way you are. There are messengers sent in this time with that same message. And each of us together have a common goal to help at least one person believe that. Because if one person believes it and passes it on, then that will be two, and then that will be four, and that will be eight, and 16, and 32, and 64, and 128, and 256. And you do the math. People's lives will be enriched by the reminder from God that they are enough just the way they are. And you are, my friends. You are. What a day this has been. I am so honored to be talking to each of you and honored to be given the words and the ability to perceive the words of love from God. The message is the same. And so it was easy Sunday after Sunday not to sit back down at this table with this computer and look at the screen, which I may not have handled perfectly today, but maybe I'll get better as the Sundays go by. Because there was always always someone else out there. I knew that. There were other people who could deliver the same message. And I was just one of many. But my friends, as long as we allow the message of love to not be delivered by us, as long as we let others take care of the situation, we are going to continue to live in the chaos of the world that we have created, where religions are fighting each other for no reason other than birth, where people are judging people and forgetting that God does not create trash, where judgment is becoming a dominant way of talking and people don't even recognize they are judging. Whether it's how someone dressed, the quality of their dress, the ability of them to do this or that, it's all a judgment rather than allowing people to grow up into the full beautiful being that they are going to be. We push them into a corner of not being enough. And yet each and every one of us 
is valuable to the scheme of life, and none of us should step back because someone else could do it. It's like a ring. If you could imagine the circle that we have created is a multifaceted ring. And have you ever seen a ring that has openings for gems, small gems, big gems, gems, looking perfect when some of the gems are missing? This life we live is perfect because we are all in it. Some of us are here as teachers, and all of us are here as students, which really means that all of us are here as teachers. There are times when we show people how to reach to be your highest self. And so doing, we are not our highest self. And there's times when people harm us and we show more and we act more than we feel. And we are then the teacher because we are providing another person the opportunity to grow. I'll ask you to join with me in a final meditation. And I'm going to play the journey. It's rather long. And I'm going to tell you that I really, really appreciate you providing me an opportunity to share a little bit about my life, to share about my beliefs, and to work as a tool of God of love. If you question what I'm saying about love, just think about it from this perspective. The next time you want to say GD, it, say love, damn it. When someone sneezes, say love, bless you. When you want to know what God would do now, ask yourself, what would love do now? Each one of you is uniquely created. Each one of you is divinely inspired and you are important. You are vital to life. Thank you. And with that, I'm going to play the journey. Namaste, my friends. I do not know that I will be back next Sunday because I'm going to be out of state, but I will be back the next. Peace be with each of you. Breathing out, I am enough. 
Remember, you're uniquely created, divinely inspired. Peace be with you now and always. Until next time.